all of us in the store. I believe it. So uh, I'm going to ask my wife to come at this time. And uh, yeah, welcome my wife, Sharon. And again, like I said last week, this message was originally planned for last week, but I believe God was in the delay. And I believe everyone that's here today is here for a purpose. So um, would you just put yourself for a moment in a position to receive from the Lord? Just, just close your eyes and open your hands and open your heart and open your open your spirit to the Lord today. Open your spirit to his word. Father, I know that you have placed this message upon my wife's heart. Lord, I know that she's not one that is eager to speak, but she is obedient when you lay it on her heart. And so, God, I pray today that you would anoint her, that you would anoint her words. And even as we sang in the song, break every stronghold Amen. in this place by the power of your word. Yes. By the power of your spirit, Lord, let the anointing rest upon each one of us to receive what you have for us and speak forth your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Be open to what God has for you today. Yes, amen. Good morning. Good morning. Can you all hear me? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I feel like my back's going to be turned on, guys. Um, I, I am not the speaker in the family. There are several of them in my family. In our family. <laughs> Uh, so I just, but I just felt like this was the time. Um, some of you have heard this testimony, maybe not all of it, but part of it at least. And um, but I felt like it was time to do this. So I just um, would have you pray for me while while I'm speaking that the Lord would have His way in this place. One night, while I was still living with my mother and before I got married. I had gone to bed, and uh, I was almost about asleep, and I heard the dog coming down the hallway. You know how they come down, you feel their little feet, and, and you know they're coming panting and all that. And uh, as he came in the room, he jumped up in the bed and laid down behind my back like some puppies do. Uh, the, the trouble was, we didn't have a dog. Good morning. <laughs> Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray now that you would speak through me, Lord Jesus, this morning, and that your name would be glorified, and that many would be set free, just as you've set me free, Lord. And I come against the enemy. Enemy, you have no authority here. I bind you. Do not speak to anyone in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, just let the Holy Spirit speak. Let us receive what you would have to impart to us today by the power of your name, the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. God is a God of grace and a God of order. And we see this in God's creation. Where natural laws such as those that we discover in physics and chemistry and biology govern the natural world in which we live. There are penalties, though, for violating those laws. For example, um, the law of gravity is going to be violated if you, or come into play, if you go up to a tall building and jump off. There's going to be consequences that you need to pay for doing that, unless, of course, the Lord intervenes. Just as natural laws govern the natural world, spiritual law, laws govern our spiritual lives. Just like the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20. 
says, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. And you shall not cover your neighbor's house or anything that belongs to your neighbor. And Jesus' two commandments in Luke 10, 25 to 28 say, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus replied, Do this, and you will live. Jesus also said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. These spiritual laws reflect the spiritual order and the unchanging nature and will of Jesus, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Sin is real. Sin is the breaking of any one of God's spiritual laws, <clears throat> which means the violation of God's order in our lives. When we break the law, parts of us die or we are placed in bondage or slavery to that sin. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death. The definition of slavery or bondage is servitude to a controlling person or force. That's what happened when Adam and Eve disobeyed God by eating the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Deuteronomy 30.19 says, This day I call the heavens and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. God gave us a choice, life or death. Do we choose the tree of life or the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? This is my story right now, my testimony. I grew up in a wonderful home. I had two older brothers and two younger sisters. You've met a couple of them, even though they were just three minutes and six minutes <laughs> younger than me. I'm a triplet, if somebody's here that doesn't know that. Anyway, we spent a lot of time with extended family, aunts, uncles, cousins, and I also had a lot of good friends at school and at church. I went to a church that really didn't teach the Bible. Uh, we had a few pastors every two or three years. Um, we had a board in that church, and one time one of the board members told us that um, he was just there just in case it was all true. So that's the type of church we grew up. We had an organist who was a sweet, sweet lady. She played some great songs, but she got criticized because she played too many blood songs. But there were a couple people in the church that were an elderly couple, and they were just so sweet to us. They were like surrogate grandparents to us, and they just kind of took us under their wing, and, and they were a blessing to us at that time. Uh, I, w I would tell you about our, an internship I did there and some of the bad things I did. <laughs> I didn't think they were bad, because the, the, the pastor didn't preach the word. He would put it, well, I'll go ahead and tell you. He would put a little scripture in the, in the bulletin, and that was a scripture reading for the day, but nothing that he said had anything to do with the Bible, 
and he didn't even believe in the virgin birth or anything wow. like that. So um, there was another guy that was interning at the time, this was in college, and uh, I was the one put in charge of typing up his messages. And so <laughs> I took advantage one day typing up those messages, and I added a few things in there that I thought should be said. And uh, <laughs> I was called down on Sunday morning, I was not called down, <laughs> but I was glad I did it. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, the, the church over the years, we had a couple of pastors who tried to preach the word, um, two in particular that, that were just wonderful, and, uh, but they only stayed a short time. Uh, one guy tried to give a, an, an invitation to um, rededicate your life to the Lord, which seems reasonable, doesn't it? Well, he got in big trouble for that. They didn't want any of that stuff going on. Um, but anyway, <laughs> oh, we were so glad that during those times, um, one of them decided to preach the truth. And so I learned that the Bible said in John 3.16, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so um, I learned I was a sinner in need of a Savior, and so I accepted Jesus as my Savior. At 10. But with no real strong biblical teaching, I was ignorant of the deceitfulness of sin and the enemy, the devil. And because of this lack of knowledge, I didn't realize I shouldn't get involved in certain activities. In 1 Peter 5.8, it says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Our spiritual opponent is real present, intelligent, and active. Satan works either to prevent us from receiving God's grace altogether or to neutralize us if we have chosen to follow Jesus. When we would go over to my cousin's house, sometimes our parents would play cards in one room and all us kids would go into another room and play games. One of those games was the Ouija board I'm sure some of you are probably familiar with that. And um, our parents just thought it was an innocent game, but it was far from innocent. We would ask questions and it would answer. We didn't touch the, the device. So you see it's got a board that has letters across the top and it has a little device that you put your hands over. You do not touch it and it would raise up by itself going from one letter to another letter, to another forming words. And fear started to creep in on, on me. The chains of bondage to an enemy I didn't even know were being placed on me. I was really fascinated by the supernatural. I didn't realize that our supernatural one true God is so much more fascinating and powerful. I was also fascinated with scary movies and shows and would watch them whenever I could. I would go to a friend's house and we would have seances. One time we saw John F. Kennedy's face on the screen of the TV, but the TV wasn't on and there was blood coming down. We saw all kinds of things that were totally demonic. This is some of the things we did in our youth group at that church I grew up in. Our youth group would go to the sanctuary 
and we would levitate tables in the church sanctuary. We would lift those tables and we weren't touching the tables, they would just lift. And I know the devil enjoyed that quite a bit. And I'm sure God was very grieved about that. But I believe as I dabbled in these activities, I opened myself up to the spirit of fear. Parents, I wanna talk to you about your kids. You need to be aware of what your kids are doing and who they're with. I don't care if they're going to a church. You need to be aware of that. Don't be afraid to be their parent. You can be their friend when they grow up. They may not like the things that you keep them from, but they'll love you for it later. These kids are entrusted to you in this season by the Lord. Take that responsibility seriously. And in addition to that, don't take, don't let the church be the only place where your kids are taught the Bible, the word, the true word of God. You need to do it in your homes and teach them. During this time, my father also became ill. He had a prolonged hospital stay, and during those days, they wouldn't let children go up to the rooms. I guess it's kind of like how COVID has been. They won't let people go up to the rooms to see people. But anyway, we would stand down in the yard below his window, his hospital window, and we'd wave, and that's all we could do is just wave at him. We couldn't see him. So he was, uh, he was sick for in the hospital for several months off and on, and finally he passed away, and I was 13. Uh, it was terrible loss for us, um, and we still miss him today. I know lots of you have lost loved ones, and, and you still miss him today. Um, but the fear of losing other loved ones took hold of me. Uh, my cousins and, and I would uh, joke, and we'd say we were raised in the funeral home because we had so many family members pass away. I would pray, but those prayers were faithless, repetition, uh, repetitious, and powerless. Hebrews 11, uh, 6 says, And without faith it's impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15 says, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Because of my ignorance of God's word, I was breaking God's spiritual laws even though I knew Jesus. Sin was generating a series of obstacles to me receiving the grace I so wanted and needed. There was a wall of separation in my relationship with the Lord. And although throughout this time I loved the Lord, followed him, prayed, and read the Bible, uh, because I opened myself up to sin, um, I was becoming bound and chained uh, because of the deception of the enemy. The Bible tells us that we live in a fallen world suffering from the effects of sin's rebellion, um, living in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We can also suffer because of other people's disobedience as well as our own. After my father passed away, I missed him terribly. I longed for someone who could maybe fill that void for me, and I thought I had found that in the pastor of the church I was attending at the time. 
he had a wonderful wife and kids, and the family was just great. They were like a second family to me. And we went uh, to their uh, house a lot, spent a lot of time together. But he violated the trust I had in him, and he sexually abused me. I was sure this was an isolated incident, and so I thought I would go to my grave with it because I loved his family. They were precious to me, and I didn't want to hurt them. But I found out that um, this wasn't an isolated incident. In addition to abusing me, he threatened me and said it would be his word against mine. And since he was so well known in the community, they would believe him and not me. But this is, um, as I found out later, very typical of abusive people. Uh, I also found out that it wasn't isolated. There were other incidences. And this situation made me become even more bound in those chains of fear. Fear of losing loved ones, of abuse, of a fear of, a, of attack of the devil and his demons. After I finished college, um, I was on, lived on my own. I lived with my sister Cheryl, but after she got married, there I was all by myself in the house. Um, at night, I would pray. I would lock the doors. I would check and recheck them. I'd lay down thinking I could go to sleep, but then I thought, did I really lock those doors? And I would get up and I would check and recheck and. I finally got to putting two by fours underneath the, the door at night, and I just, I just couldn't sleep. I was so full of fear, fear that something would happen. I needed to find the keys to unlock the nightmare I found myself in. The chains of fear were becoming tighter and tighter. But praise the Lord, God has a gift of grace. Amen. After college, I started attending a church that consistently taught the word of God. The Bible says, says, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. As I grew and studied God's words, my eyes were being opened to the truth of the Bible. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. This is John 14, 5 through 7. Jesus came to put things in order for the Father. Receiving Jesus begins the process of that healing. And he came to give us the gift of abundant life and to show us how to confront the enemy of our lives. He died to take away that sin. Amen. I was learning that with God's help and knowing who I am in him, I could be, become free from the fear and the chains that bound me. I believe God will reveal things in your life as well that may be keeping you from experiencing the freedom of following Christ. I challenge each one of you to ask the Lord to reveal any obstacles that may be hindering you from living the life of abundance that Jesus wants you to live. Isaiah 61 says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. I learned that there were two obstacles in particular that can be a source of great problems in our lives. First, unforgiveness can come in in the form of not forgiving others, not forgiving ourselves, 
or even God. And that secondly, fear paralyzes and neutralizes us and keeps us from living life abundantly. I knew I needed to forgive the man who had used me in such a terrible way. And I also knew I had to forgive myself. You see, I felt I was at fault and that I should have been able to do something to prevent what had happened to me. I knew that my dabbling in the occult was also, had also opened me up for the enemy to abuse me as well. I had to stay in God's word and pray in the power of the Holy Spirit, having faith that God was greater than the enemy. I had to seek out godly counsel and fellowship, and I also knew, this is important, I had to starve the cravings of the old nature by staying away from the things that would bring fear and sin upon me. No more movies that might cause me fear. I stay away from them to this day. I have to. It's kind of like an alcoholic staying away from alcohol. Right. I want to quote Hebrews 2, 14 and 15 again. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death, he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held slavery by their fear of death. I now knew I could also be free from the fear that had held me in bondage all my life. I was asked if I would like to have prayer for deliverance from that fear, and I said, sure, I do. They prayed for me that I would be delivered from the spirit of fear. They didn't have to yell or have a long, flowery prayer. They simply prayed in the power of the Holy Spirit that I would be free, and I was. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, peace just flooded over me like it hadn't been in such a long time. Um, and, and I laid down and I slept for two hours straight. I remember I hadn't been able to sleep at all. But that peace was on me so heavy that all I did was just relax. And maybe I was out under the spirit. Who knows what I was. But I, I slept for two hours straight. And from that day to this day, I have no fear. Praise the Lord. Right. Right. Except maybe being for you. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Remember the story about the dog at the beginning of the story? Um, that took place after I had been delivered from fear. When I heard that dog, or demon if you like, come walking down the hall, and when it jumped on the bed, fear started to come up again in me. You see, the enemy will try to come back and rear his ugly head. The scripture says, when an evil spirit comes out of a man, it goes through the arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. And when it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And they go in and live there, and the final condition of that man is worse than the first. I knew that was the truth. But I also now knew that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Amen. Amen. I knew I could take authority over that fear that was trying to come back on me. So I took authority, I rebuked it in the name of Jesus, and just like that, it was gone. I had been bound for most of my life. The chains had bound me and were getting tighter and tighter. I was so bound I couldn't find any kind of peace. But God had the power to free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. I am free. 
Praise Lord, my chains are gone, I've been set free. My God, my Savior, has set me free, has ransomed me, and like a flood, his mercy reigns. Unending love, amazing grace. Hallelujah. I have a video I'd like you to see now. I hope you all can see it and hear it. If you can't, kind of move to where you can see it. Um, this is John Mark Comer's wife speaking about her experience with generational curses. Uh, she will explain that a little bit more in this video. John Mark was the pastor at Bridgetown Church in Portland, Oregon. Um, that's where our son attends. Um, so anyway, and, and on Wednesday nights, the small groups listening to some of his stuff. So I want you to listen closely to what she has to say. Okay, before we start, I just want to pray. Holy Spirit, would you come in this space right now? We commit this space to you in Jesus' name. And right now, I just speak to any principality or power or demonic spirit, any spirit in rebellion against Jesus, Right now, I command you in Jesus' name to be silent. Be silent. Don't speak. Don't distract. In Jesus' name, be silent. And Holy Spirit, come. Do all that you want to do in and through my story for your kingdom's sake and for your people's good. In Jesus' name, amen. As many of you may know, I struggled with chronic illness for about 15 years, the last five of which were much more acute. At its worst, we thought I was dying. This forced me to do a lot of the inner working around grief and acceptance. I knew that I would probably die young and that there was a high likelihood that I would be crippled. And the honest implications of how that would affect my family was very, very sobering. It was also during that time that on top of everything else, I was given a diagnosis of a rare neurological disorder that would primarily affect my face. It had a 50% chance of progressing in my lifetime and I already had facial spasms daily from it, but should it progress, all the muscles in my face would begin to spasm severely and continuously, crippling my face, making it difficult to eat, to speak, or to kiss my husband. This was literally like living with my very worst nightmare. It was in this season that some of our dear friends and mentors, Chris and Meryl Vinand, um, they've come here, so you probably have, some of you will know who I'm talking about, had come to visit us. And I remember Chris asking me um, if I knew of any generational curses on, our, on my family. And at the time, John Mark and I had no paradigm really for that in real life. Um, I told him I didn't know of anything. Uh, we knew it was like a thing that you read about in the scriptures and, and stuff, but we just didn't have a paradigm for that in like Portland, Oregon, you know? So anyway, um, 
But I told him, I didn't know of any curses, but I did have a great-grandmother who was really into tarot cards and palm reading um, when I was a kid. But other than that, I didn't really have any paradigm for that. I didn't know of anything. And even, even with that, we just kind of held that idea of a generational curse. I mean, what do you do with that? How do you check for that? You know, Ancestry.com, check. <laughs> Generational curses, oh, je definitely. So we were just like, didn't know, you know. So um, fast forward a couple years, my brother had been doing some research on our family genealogy and came across a very bizarre story about a generational curse. So this is that story as it came to us. My great-grandmother lived in Mexico City and she had fallen in love with a diplomat from Cuba. They had gotten together and lived together and had had eight children together, one of which was my grandmother. Now at this time, they started having a bunch of sickness and I think one of their kids may have died. And so she, same great grandmother who was into tarot cards and palm reading, went to a fortune teller and she said, tell me why we are sick and dying. And this woman said, it's because there is a curse on your bloodline and it's from the man you live with's wife. Now at this time, she had no idea that he was married and he had in Cuba left his wife in a mental institution and come and live together with my great grandmother and started a new family. So this woman in Cuba had hired either a shaman or a witch to put a blood curse on my grandmother, my great-grandmother, and the fortune teller actually told her the curse is this, that the firstborn girl down through your family line in every family will be cursed with terrible illness or early death. Now, what was crazy about this was that John Mark and I had done, re you know, we of course we knew that there was a lot of sickness and death on my dad's side of the family and the women, it was very obvious. What we hadn't put together was that it was actually the firstborn girl in every single family. It was four generations strong and it never skipped a generation. So my great grandmother, her firstborn daughter was my grandmother who died in her 60s and was sick for 20 years. Her firstborn daughter, was um, the sickest woman I've ever met, had probably over a hundred surgeries and is crippled. Her firstborn daughter died in a car accident at 16. My brother's firstborn daughter was crippled her whole life and then she died at eight. I'm the firstborn daughter of my dad. And there was one cousin it hadn't hit that the day before we broke the curse over me, I got the phone call. She's younger than me, three kids and she was just diagnosed with stage three or four throat cancer. So, this came to us and we were like, oh my gosh, this is so weird, what do you do with this? So I immediately, um, at the advice of my husband, called Gary Bashirs, who is a theology professor at Western, for those of you who don't know, and he's very like just solid and not weird. And so I was like, what do I do with this? How do you do, how do you do it? And like, you know, what, is this even a real thing? I feel like I'm in a Disney movie, like. And so he said, it's an absolutely a real thing and you need to break it off. 
So he connected us with a man who was friends with him who was actually retired and had history with deliverance ministry and breaking off generational curses. And um, this man was so kind. He came out of retirement to, do, to meet John Mark and I for this very specific reason of breaking this curse and actually had been following along with the Bridgetown story um, during the pandemic. So he was actually already like, you know, just kind of knew and knew who John Mark was. And it was just like this gift to feel like, oh my gosh, this guy is, he, God's already like, I don't know, at work. So um, that, let me see. It turned out that when he came, the whole week beforehand, I kept feeling like the Holy Spirit was saying, you have to be holy. This was like the thing that kept coming to my mind the whole week before as I was preparing for this prayer meeting with him. I didn't really know what I was walking into. I just kept hearing, you have to be holy. So together with our families and our community, we fasted and prayed for a couple of days in preparation, and we went to meet him. Now, as soon as he called me to come into the room, my face began spasming the worst it ever had. One of my eyes was literally barely open, and when I came into the room, John Mark was like, oh my gosh, what is happening with you? And I'm like, I have no idea, let's just pray. And so um, we sat down and he led us through this prayer. It was very um, legal sounding. It was almost like breaking a contract. He um, led it, us through it. And as soon as he said, by the power and the authority of Jesus Christ, I break off this Amen. generational curse in Jesus' name. And I repeated it. My whole face went completely calm. It went totally still. And something, I know this sounds weird, but it's just true. Something, I felt something physically come like out off my head and out of it. It was like I could think really clear. It was almost like I had been living in a cloud. And that was one of the main things that was such a, um, a grief for a lot of years because I'm married to a very intelligent man and I could many times not even follow him in conversation. That was such a sad thing. And it was like all of a sudden I could think clear. And I remember John Mark said, what happened? Like what just happened? That was crazy. And I was like, I had no idea, but you know, something clearly. That was October 14th of 2020. And since then, my life has been radically changed. I have been totally, yes. I have been totally and undeniably healed. My healing was both immediate and progressive. Immediately, my spasms and neurological symptoms stopped. But over the next year and a half, I experienced God restore my body and person in ways I didn't even know were possible. The funny thing was that it never had even crossed my mind that there would be physical healing as a result of breaking off this curse. That wasn't even, we were just doing it because it just seemed like you don't want to curse on you, so like just break it off. But the, but the result was that I actually was completely restored to total health. Since that day, the mantra of my life has literally been, 
Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. So, if I could just end with this, and please hear me. If you want the power of God at work in you and through you, yes. be holy. Take your sin seriously. It wasn't my sin that I carried the repercussions of. It was my great-grandmother's sin that I carried that was literally killing me. Mm. We, by the power of Jesus, broke off that curse that was passed down to me as an inheritance. I inherited it. But... In every deliverance, along with every other deliverance situation I have ever been a part of, and there's been a few, holiness is an essential part of breaking off anything demonic. Our actions carry both good and bad inheritances with them that we pass on to our children and to their children. May the story of Bridgetown Church be that here, the inheritance of the enemy is broken off, but that the inheritance coming down from Jesus to replace that inheritance of freedom, of life, and of wholeness carried through holiness blesses the next generation in addition to those around us. Because the kingdom of God has come near. And that is what happened, you guys. It's like the kingdom of God came in my body. And when this, the demonic was broken off and his kingdom came, healing life, healing in relationships, all the things, the kingdom of God came near, and, and my life was radically altered. One of my new favorite verses, and I think it's like one of my life verses now, is this one, and I just want to leave you with this verse. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse the lepers. Drive out demons. Amen. Freely you have received, now freely give. May this be the story that we carry in our bodies. May God's kingdom come in us and through us for his glory, and for the people around you, and for your own good. In Jesus' name. I say yes and amen. Yes, amen. Hallelujah. Do you know something in your family's life that can be a curse? <coughs> Think and pray about it. Is there illness that seems to be connected to your family? Mental illness? Poverty? Uh, Tammy had to dig to find out this information. You may know something already. Um, God can deliver you from that curse. Maybe you need to take, him, take some time to pray and fast a day or two before you are prayed for. Um, or you might feel like you're ready to come now. Tammy said the key word is holy to get sin out of your life that's what i needed to do um i'd like the prayer team to come and get ready
Hayes. I think he's a worship team. He's he's going to play something instead. I think so. You can sit still if you need to come. I'd like everyone to bow your head, please. I would like to give you the opportunity to ask Jesus to forgive you of your sin, to accept the free gift of eternal life that Jesus offered to everyone when he died on the cross. Um, pray with me if you want this. If you've already accepted Jesus, I'd like you to pray along, as well as a renewal of your commitment. Okay, follow me in prayer. Speak out loud. Father in heaven, I believe you sent Jesus to take the punishment for my sins. I ask you to forgive me and to be Lord of my life and to help me to live for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you pray that prayer, that's the beginning of being healed and set free. With heads still bowed, I'd like you to bow your heads. If you have fear, if you have anxiety, depression, addiction, been abused in some way, or going through a divorce, have lost a loved one, or feel bound in any number of ways, fear, any number of ways that might hold you captive, there's no condemnation. God in his grace and mercy can set you free. I believe that if you are a Christian, the devil cannot possess you, but I believe he can oppress you, and that's what he did to me. He can help you learn the power of his word and help you know the freedom you can walk in as you follow him. God wants you to begin to choose to live in the tree of life. If you feel there has been a generational curse placed on your family or you, Believe God can break it, that, that he can break it by the power of his mighty name. I've asked the prayer team to be praying leading up to today. The prayer team won't necessarily need to shout or pray a long flowery prayer. All they need to do is, is ask God to set you free in the powerful name of Jesus. But you will need to want to be free. That's right. So if that's you, I want you to please come forward for prayer. If you need prayer for healing or any other needs, come on and go. I believe the Lord's here, and he wants to do something in our lives today. Lord Jesus, I ask that the Holy Spirit would reign supreme in this place today. I rebuke the enemy, and I bind him. You cannot speak. You have no authority in this place. As people come today, Jesus, set them free right now in the name of our mighty Savior, Jesus. Praise you, Lord God. We thank you for what you're going to do, what you can only do. And we give you praise for it in Jesus' mighty name. Come if you need prayer. You have no power, authority over her life. We cancel every curse of the blood of us. And we pray that you defeat the kingdom of heaven and deliver us. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. We command it to go to the Stand together, let's worship the Lord together. Let's praise God for what He's going to do in this place. If you need to come, don't hesitate to come. God wants to move in your life. Praise the Lord. You have the authority in the name of Jesus. We command you to be set free. We break it off right now, every generation of the earth. I know there is no power to go. 
sin. Loose in all your ways. Abuse. In the name of Jesus. Addiction out in the name of Jesus.
add a couple of things here today. You know, we do not need a, we, and this is not what John Mark's wife was saying, we do not need a theology professor. We don't need somebody who's done this before. All we need is faith and the power of the name of Jesus. And the presence of the Holy Spirit is, is here. And I'll tell you how, how this can really turn around. Is uh, My mother suffered for over 30 years with a horrible stomach aches, digestive problems. We didn't know what caused it. Um, you know, she's a preacher's kid and a preacher's grandkid and younger sister of a preacher and all this other kind of stuff. And uh, But she had, for over 30 years, she had this sickness and went to doctor after doctor after doctor. I said, nothing's wrong with you, nothing's wrong with you, nothing's wrong with you. Some of you know that a revival broke out in Pensacola, Florida in 1995, and it lasted for several years, and uh, we went down there a number of times. And one of those times, when my parents went down, I mean, we, we would stand hours in the rain outside to get into this place where God was moving in such a powerful way. One of those times, my mom and dad were there, the pastor of the church. It was, it was like when the altars happened, it was mass chaos. I mean, it was like everybody was wanting to get touched by the pastor or the evangelist, even though they had a full prayer team, you know? And so, so you know, they weren't worried about that. They were just making themselves available for prayer. And at one point, the pastor came over, and he laid hands on my mother for prayer, and she went down to the floor, and he went down with her. <laughs> he didn't know what she had suffered with for over 30 years, but he went down on the floor with her, and he placed his hand on her stomach, and he began to prophesy into her stomach. And one of the things he said was, the windows of heaven are open on your bloodline. The windows of heaven are open on your bloodline. And that's me, and that's my kids, and that's my grandkids, even my grandson, who has all kinds of who knows what in his past, who is going to be changed and transformed by the power because he's now adopted into that that's right, line. Yes. And my mom got up and she's never had a problem like that since. So what she had suffered with for over 30 years is gone. And we continue to believe that there might be generational curses, but there's also generational blessings. Amen. And so the windows of heaven can be open on your bloodline. The windows of heaven can be open on your kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids in such an awesome and a powerful way. So let's just lift our hands to the Lord and praise Him again for His goodness. And I'm going to go back to the piano. We're going to sing again. We're going to worship again. We're going to thank God for setting us free again. And again, don't hesitate to come if you need prayer. But if you don't come, believe that God has a healing for you. He's got a blessing for you and for your children and your children's Amen. children. And claim that the windows of heaven will be open on your bloodline as well. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.